0: To our dear Wellness Couch listeners, we are sending you all our love during these unprecedented times.
1: Now is the time to appreciate what community really is all about. And on the back of our wellness base camps in Geelong and Camden being postponed, we've decided to run a virtual experience that anyone can attend. It's called Crisis to Confidence.
0: Right now, the world faces five major challenges. The first one, fear and anxiety. So Kim Morrison will present on uncertainty and love.
1: The second one is Social Isolation, so Marcus Pierce is going to talk about how to build community during these difficult times.
0: The third is Mental and Emotional Despair, so Brett Hill will talk about how to develop resilience.
1: The fourth is Financial Uncertainty, so Jason Witten will talk about creating financial security.
0: And the fifth is a Challenged Immunity, so Cindy O'Meara will share how to boost our immunity during these times.
1: Crisis to Confidence will be broadcast live on Saturday, April 4. And if you can't make it, you'll receive lifetime access. To
0: register and for all the details, go to thewellnessbasecamp.com.
1: That's thewellnessbasecamp.com. Thank you, Wellness Tribe. We love you and send our virtual hugs and kisses. TheWellnessCouch.com Streaming wellness into your lives Welcome to the Primal Alternative Podcast Featuring actionable tips from real people With real stories about real food This show is presented by Primal Health Coach Helen Marshall Who empowers other paleo-loving, thermomix-owning mums to start a sustainable, faff-free business of their own with the Primalista License. The Primalista License brings primal alternatives to the foods we love to our communities, making primal living more doable with less falling off the wagon. The Primalista License is available at www.primalalternative.com. And now, introducing your host, Helen Marshall.
2: Welcome to the Primal Alternative podcast. I'm your host H and on the show I have got Leah Williamson from Nourishing Conversations. Leah is a let me get this right. Leah is a functional nutritional therapist. There we go. <laughs> I said it right. And this was a, a, this is actually in, uh, interview number 2 because I had a bit of a you know you do those like um New Year clear outs and um I had a really overzealous clear out of um of my files on my computer and deleted the episode. oof, but luckily, Leah is a podcaster herself, so she totally gets it and she was like, Yeah, no worries, I and mean, it was really cool don't you just think things always happen for a reason? like we had a really cool conversation, uh, we were able to put each other in touch with a couple of people in the industry that would be great guests for each other 's podcasts and it's just that sense of community, isn't it? Like, And I think the essence of this episode with Leah today really brings about that importance of community and how doing things on your own is much harder. So don't be on your own, just never be on your own. Leah um, is admin and she set up uh, the Brisbane Paleo Family, which is a Facebook group. Um, I think there's pretty much the paleo insert capital city for every state and territory in Australia, which is fantastic and heaps of low carb communities and places you can just go and say, what do I do with this? I've got too much of that. How do I eat this? And it's great to just be able to have, isn't it? Community is just the bomb. And that's one of the things I love about, well, it's probably the main thing. That I love about Primal Alternative is the community that we've created, and it's not just a community in terms of, you know, it's such a wide web of a community. It's so cool. So if we start at the real grassroots, we've got the Primalist is in the community with their customers and their stockists. They're producing in the community and supplying locally in their in their in their area in their area. And then we've got the Primalista community where we all hang out on Facebook. How good's that? Especially in Australia, when there's like massive, massive distances between Primalistas, like you know, time zones and kilometers, like are nothing when you can just jump onto a Facebook group and you know, have say, oh my goodness, something's gone wrong with my bread. What happened? You know, there are days like that, right? What happened? What did I do wrong? And to be reassured, you haven't done anything wrong. It's just a one off, it's a fluke. Or to jump on and say, Woohoo, I got a new stockist or, you know, to share some feedback you've had from a customer, it's like the best place to go and celebrate with people like who get it. Do you know what I mean? Have you ever like done something really good in your business and then told your husband or your kids and they're like, That's great, hunt. What's for dinner? <laughs> you know. Hmm. (laughs) And the other thing I've been pondering, hang on, let me just finish this community thing, right? And then not only, you know, do we have this primalistic community, but we've also got a bigger celebrity community. So stoked to be involved with um, Quirky Cookie and Joe Whitten, Pete Evans, and all of the other industry leaders who tell their audiences about us. And yeah, wow. Like it's so cool. Um, We're so grateful. And I just love Love you all. Thank you so much for being part of this community. It is epic. So, so, so epic. And I am, at the time of recording, it's February the 13th. It's the day before Valentine's Day. And more importantly, the day before I start interviewing for Intake One. And I'm so stoked. And by the time this goes to air, if all goes to plan, I don't delete anything, it will be the 6th of March. So I'll be like well underway. And there'll still be some time to interview more listers, And I really want you to hold this intention that I've got. So I'm going to share it with you because sharing it with you will make it more real. Right? Are you ready? I'm so happy and grateful that I have recruited a 100 new incredible listers in Intake One. And that sounds like a lot. And it's really scary. Uh, and it's really pushing my... Uh, pushing my comfort zone of what I feel I'm capable of. But the reality is that Primal Alternative is getting so much publicity. People are talking about Primal Alternative so much, especially thanks to people with massive audiences like Joe and Pete. And we have got a bigger... The reality is we've got a bigger demand than we can supply. And I can't tell you how much... It pains me when I have to say, I'm so sorry, we can't supply your shop. We don't have a producer in your area. I'm so sorry, we can't post out to you. You're too far away from our nearest producer. I'm so sorry, we're not in your country. You know. So my intention is 100 new prime listers. I really feel like we need at least 1,000 in Australia alone when you think of all of the distribution outlets that we've got. Cafes, IGAs, your own networks, the people at yoga, the people at Pilates, in your naturopath clinic, in your chiropractic clinic, <laughs> so many places where people are just hungry for change. They're hungry for products that give them convenience, but no compromise, no restriction, no deprivation, because all of that is so 90s and really is fast track to derailing, right? If you feel restricted or deprived in any way, you are not enjoying your full human experience. Like really? And I can say that coming off the end of, you know, gosh, three decades of restriction, being on a constant diet of some sort, you know, it's just, it doesn't work. It doesn't work and it doesn't work. So, you know, simply swap foods, find what works for you. Um, And the thing that I love about primal alternative, it just means all of those yummy things, they're real trigger foods that everybody wants like bread and pizza and tacos and cookies. And even like, (laughs) I love seeing what people do with their products, but people have been putting like low carb ice cream in between two of our triple choc keto cookies. And they're like, boom they're not missing out on any kind of australian summer experience every you can just do and i really i'm so, yeah i'm excited right i'm so passionate about um, what we can do with these products and i think that's really what 2020 uh, is going to be for me is getting more prime listers on board so we can reach more people and satisfy the demand for our products but also to Find new, funky, cool ways to do amazing, fun, delicious things with our products because why not? I was just recipe testing um, low-carb pancake and waffle mix again tomorrow just before. It's probably going to be out by the time this podcast is out, so if you want to check it out, have a look on our online shop or check out our stockists. Um, We've got a directory of our stockists on the website to find out where you can get it. But seriously, so much fun. Waffles, hello. Are you serious? I haven't had waffles since I was 16. These are delicious. And um, my daughter was wrapped when she came in uh, from school and there was like a pancake stack with fresh berries and yogurt and maple syrup. And she, that was, she was very happy. She likes being uh, the daughter of the primal Alternative Founder. <laughs> which is so, so cool. So before we get into the episode, I am going to do my review of the week. And the review of the week this week comes from the fabulous Anne Pierce. Let's see where Anne's from. Let's have a quick look. Where are you from, Anne? Um, She doesn't tell anyone where she's from. You have to be friends with her. Fair enough as well. But somewhere that looks quite sunny with palm trees. So... Maybe Queensland, but who knows? I'm sure Anne will let us know. But this is what Anne says. She says, have recently purchased a fat and seedy bread mix. Very simple to make with ingredients I already had. Freezes really well. I put two slices in my sandwich press, then spread with avocado for breakfast or lunch. Really fills me up and is very tasty. Looking forward to ordering again in the near future. And thank you so much for that review of the week. (laughs) Hope you find this funny and not totally irritating. (laughs) Um, But Anne, I've sent you a message and we would love to get out um, a bread and a packet of cookies of your choice. So please let us know which you prefer and... Your address, and we'll post that out to you just as a thank you. And if you want to have a review read out, all you need to do is to head to the Primal Alternative Facebook page, click on reviews, and leave us a review. It would really help us spread the word about our grain-free range. Now, the other thing I wanted to share with you is our children made of sand. I made of sand because I'm sorry, but everywhere that my Twelve-year-old son goes. There's like a trail of sand, like in his bed, just sand. Any chair that he sat on in the house, like bucketfuls of sand. Where did they keep this sand? Like, where, are they made of sand? Do they do they just like fall apart? <laughs> are they? Is this? Do they shed their childhood in grains of sand? Are you, can you relate? If you've got kids, you're probably thinking, "Oh, shut up, what are you on about." But if you've got <laughs> If you do have kids, you're like, oh, yes, I know what you mean, itch. And cat owners, cat owners with fly screen doors. It does your cat sit next to a fly screen door when it's open and just want to go in and out of it all the time? Like you can smell the breeze coming through the little perforations and it's like, I want out. And then it can smell the inside flowing out and it's like, I want back in. Do you find that? And then what about this? When the cat is sat there wanting to go out or in, you got to open the door for them for the umpteenth time and then they just walk away. <sighs> what is it with cats? And don't worry, my cats are ancient. They do not kill the wildlife. <laughs> They're like 17 this year. They literally sleep for 23 and a half hours of the day and then the rest of the time they just spend going in and out of my fly screen door. Well, without much further ado, let's have a chat to the absolutely fabulous Leah. She is going to share so many fabulous tips for keeping real food real. So Leah, let's
3: start with what you had for breakfast. Breakfast. So this morning I had some free range bacon with some eggs and some kale and mushrooms. And I have to disclaimer that with, I didn't actually make it. I went to
2: yoga and my husband cooked for me. So I was very spoilt this morning. You were. Oh my goodness. So nice. Yummy. Lovely. That, yeah. that was way it start to the day, yoga and then a breakfast like that. I know it's perfect. But
3: then you've got to go straight into school lunches, school run, getting ready for work, getting out the door. But it does start very nice and calmly so that I can manage the rest of the whole day. So what sort of yoga are you doing? I'm doing Hatha yoga. So just very gentle Hatha yoga. I'm doing a mix of like, so this morning I did some uh, flow yoga. So it's kind of like, you know, sun salutations, a bit more faster, kind of getting the body moving for the day. And then sometimes I go at nighttime and I love restorative yoga, yin yoga. And this is something I haven't announced on air and barely told anybody, but I am, am actually doing my yoga teacher training training. This year, so I'm going to be a wow. yoga teacher. Yoga teacher.
2: <laughs> wow! Good on you. I I wanted to be a yoga teacher. I got halfway through my course and then worked out that I actually just liked going to yoga. I didn't want to be a yoga teacher, but I. So I I know the work that goes into becoming a yoga teacher. It's it's pretty intense. Um. So good on you. Another string to your bow of all of your amazing. All the amazing things you do, but yeah, it's also still completely aligned. So yeah, well,
3: this is really for me is the main thing I wanted to stress. there. It's really for me, but alternatively, you know, I'll be able to share that with other people as well. Yeah. I love yoga. I love the
2: move, the philosophy, everything. It's just incredible. So Mm -hmm. ancient as well, like totally primal. Yeah. (laughs) So let's discuss your journey to discovering real food. I'm always fascinated with how people go from the convention, the conventional way of doing things, to the slightly alternative way of doing things. So, tell mm-hmm. us your journey.
3: Well, you know, I came from very conventional upbringing. It was definitely the wheat bix for breakfast, Vegemite sandwiches for lunch, and steak and mashed potato for dinner. And that's pretty much the you know standard Australian diet of the era that I grew up in, and. I was always a really tired child, like I didn't play much exercise. I was you know chubby overweight. I used to get um, teased a little bit in school i didn't have a lot of friends, so I didn't really go out and do a lot of things. I kind of like used to just read books. I was a bit of a book nerd and just kind of watch t v and read books. so my parents got a little bit worried about me at one stage because they were kind of like, "Oh, we need to you know maybe introduce some exercise for her and I went and played touch football for a while, but that still didn't kind of uh, make any difference. I was still eating the same kind of food, still feeling really tired and fatigued. And then fast forward many years, uh, in my early 20s, I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's. And I thought, wow, this is just like the answer to all this fatigue I've been having. I feel like I've probably had Hashimoto's for a lot longer than when I was actually diagnosed with it. And... So I thought, I'll take this magic tablet, it's going to fix everything, but then it didn't. And then over the years, things gradually just got worse and then I got married and had my son and after the birth of my son, I was uh, just so tired, so many digestive issues, just didn't have any zest for life, which wasn't like me at all because I'm usually, you know, despite it all, I will still go out there and go get it, but I kind of lost all of that. And I just thought I couldn't really keep going on like that. And so I was looking around and I decided to join CrossFit, which, you know, in retrospect, sounds like it could be like the worst thing to do when you're so tired all the time is this then go and hammer yourself at CrossFit. But I actually got introduced to Paleo there and um, they were doing a 30-day challenge. It was a really great community, very supportive community, it wasn't like, you know, always you know, making you go harder. It was like, you know, work to your own level. So I loved it. And at that time, hadn't heard of paleo before. I like to call this era BP, which is before Pete. Do you remember those days? (laughs) Vaguely. (laughs) Before Pete Evans, there was a time. (laughs) And uh, so we, you know, like I couldn't get enough. I couldn't find enough resources. I was just trying to find out as much about paleo as possible uh, really transformed and changed um, my way of eating. And I went on to lose 30 kilos and clear up all my digestive issues. And just the most important thing was I really regained that zest back again. Like, you know, I was just like, wow, superwoman again. <laughs> and uh, so I I was kind of like went to a, a low carb down under event. And it was the first time that I had come to Australia and Jimmy Moore was speaking, he's a podcaster in the US, and he was saying, like, if anyone's got had something great happen to them, you need to blog about it, you need to be right about it, you need to get out there, you need to start a meetup group because we need to show people that this is such a great way of living. Real food is where it's at. And I was like, I can do that. And so we started the Brisbane Paleo group and we were 10 people meeting, hiding, I'd like to say, we were hiding in the back of a cafe. Uh, ordering at the time just black coffees and teas because none of the milks had even come into the stores then you could only get soy or milk there was no coconut milk there was no almond milk <laughs> just i think that's so funny because it's in terms of history it's not that long ago
2: so, um, so what what's the can, can we put a date uh a date stamp on that like how long are we talking because i can't even imagine how awful like, no almond milk yeah. <laughs> No almond milk.
3: (laughs) I think it would have been like around 2012 or 2013,
2: like, you know, ages ago.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Ages ago. Yeah. And so we started off 10 people and I didn't know really not what I was doing. I've never started a meetup group, but I just knew that paleo was, I need to reach more people with it and help people because it had helped me so much. And everyone kind of went around and shared their story of how paleo real food had helped them. And I still get goosebumps to this day thinking about it. It was just such a powerful moment. We're sitting in this circle and people were saying how to just change their lives for the better. There was one lady who had fibromyalgia. She was only young. She was looking at a wheelchair for the rest of her life and she'd changed over to uh, eating real food. And within a week, she said she could feel the changes. She was too scared to tell anybody. She didn't even tell her family until a couple of years later until she was sure that this is what was really working. And she just completely changed her life. She's walking, she's I I seen her, you know, not long ago and she's married and has a family. And it's just like the most amazing story. And that's when I knew that yeah, we really had to reach more people with it. So we started growing the Brisbane Paleo group and reaching more and more people out there. And at the time I was working in IT, so very conventional desk job. And I was like, Ugh, I'm I'm done with this. I want to I want to study nutrition. So I studied through the Nutritional Therapy Association and became a functional nutritional therapy practitioner, which is looking at nutrient deficiencies in the body and helping get those nutrients in via real food. So very much aligned with the whole real food message and what I do. And now I have my own home clinic, and I do gut microbiome testing as well. And I have a podcast called Low Carb Conversations, and many. I, what else do I do? I teach for the Nutritional Therapy Association, so I help um, assist in those classes. I think that's probably. I could list uh, numerous other things that I do, <laughs> but I, I'll leave it there. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but that's in, you know that's incredible. So we're looking at in the space of under a decade, um, transforming from a health crisis with Hashimoto's to and, you know, and feeling tired with those digestive issues and really with the um, support and the importance of community and real food, you've completely transformed every single aspect of your life really, including your job. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, you know,
3: food is an easy starting point for people. Like I think one of the best books I still ever read was um, It Starts With Food. I, think I knew that was, like, you were going to that one. one. Yeah. <laughs> but there is so many other factors, right? So it is a whole lifestyle change and I think once you start changing one aspect, the next aspect kind of comes to it. So like we might we changed our food and nutrition and we changed our movement and you know like now even now I'm still evolving because now I'm like changing my mindset and stress levels, you know, by doing yoga. So I think it's it's definitely that whole package. Oh, and sunshine. I cannot I I love sunshine. I love sleep as well. That's another factor. But I love sunshine so much. I have to physically tell myself to get out of the sun. I have to set a timer to get out of the sun. I love sunshine so much.
2: Me too. And that was one of the big um, things about this this way of life. And and I love that you... um, Enjoyed. It starts with food as much as I did because it really. It's true. It starts with food, but then it goes into every single aspect of your life. And the sunshine aspect, like I literally, I crave lying in the sun, and I, I do set myself mm-hmm. a timer because, you know, we live in Australia and burning's not cool. Sunshine's cool, but burning's not cool, and um we've got white skin, you know, so we've got to be careful what we're doing. But yeah, just lying in the sun. What? A, oh, revelation! It is literally like putting your phone on charge don't you think oh it definitely
3: is like if I've you know working from home we spend a lot of time inside if I don't get outside sometime during the day and get some sunshine on my skin I feel so unhealthy I could I I could feel like as unhealthy as this as if I'd eaten all this unhealthy food even though I hadn't you know so like even with good nutrition if I don't get that sunshine
2: I still feel like I've you know eaten a bowl of chips (laughs) Wow, Incredible. So can you tell us of some of the other lifestyle changes that you've made? So you've talked about the food and obviously, you know, you've changed the basics of your life around your work and that kind of thing. But um, what other, like in terms of like movement, you mentioned mindset, any other um, things that you found have been really helpful for you? Well, I think sleep is a really big important one too. So um,
3: one of the things is, you know the lights that are coming in all the time so we have a street light right outside our bedroom window and I'd never realized that until I started looking at like maybe I'm not getting the best sleep well you know being a mum as well you don't always get the best sleep but when you want to have the the good sleep you want to make sure it's quality even if you can't get that quantity in and so uh, my husband and I talked about getting blockout blinds and things like that but then, Sometimes when you have younger children, it's hard to totally black out the room because, you know, my daughter still comes in every now and then and she gets scared by the dark. So, the best thing I found to do for us was I actually got a really good quality eye mask. And as soon as I put that eye mask on, I'm out. (laughs) It's like (laughs) lights out. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, and I, that's, I have never had the best sleep since I've had that on. Um, I have to take it with me everywhere, though. And so that means I can just sleep anywhere, which is fantastic. And the other thing I've started doing recently is taping my mouth. Have you ever tried that? No. <laughs> so you basically get a, a piece of micropore tape. And what it allows you to do is just breathe through your nose. And breathing through your nose is actually meant to help you sleep deeper rather than breathing through your mouth. And I'm not an expert in it, but Dr. Ron Ehrlich, I don't know if you've ever spoke to him or not. No. He's right into it. Yeah. So he's great. You have to get him on your podcast because he is fantastic. And so, yeah, he talked to us about taping the mouth and I thought, oh, well, I'll give this a go. And my husband looks at me and he's like, You've already yeah. got a face mask on, and
2: now you're taping him. <laughs> I've just got this visual of you in bed, you know, with your mask on and you, your eyes, you know, and your and you tape. Yeah. And you have, like some kind of like weird sex fetish. <laughs> it's like, What the yeah. hell? <laughs> I'll send you a picture later. It's good.
3: <laughs> but I thought, I really thought I breathed through my mouth, like, because sometimes my husband says I snore a little and stuff like that. So I thought maybe. Maybe I'm breathing through my mouth, and but I managed to keep the piece of tape on my mouth all night, and it didn't actually disturb my sleep. it actually I woke up the next morning and I was like, "Oh, tape's still on that's fine. I actually feel like refreshed, so I think there's definitely something to it if you can
2: withstand how you look when you're going to bed. <laughs> <laughs> I think I would did you not feel like kind of suffocated like No, because
3: I was breathing through my nose. Like I didn't need my mouth. I think that was the thing. I think if you are a mouth breather, what happens is you need to train yourself. So like just before you go to bed, you'd wear it for a couple of hours and then you'd pull it off so that when you went to bed, you weren't kind of like freaking out or anything like that. But for me, I, I really didn't think I would. I just put it on and went to sleep and that was fine. But sometimes I know if I've had a restless sleep because the tape's not on my mouth anymore. And I can tell you in the morning don't just rip it off. It, it'll be stuck to your mouth. <laughs> Give yourself a little bit of a, a wax while you're doing it. I don't think um, anyone <laughs> needs to go for waxes anymore.
2: <laughs>
3: yeah, that's right. So the other night I was like, must've had a restless sleep. And um, yeah, the tape was gone. It was somewhere. I think it was stuck in my hair.
2: <laughs> oh God. Oh, that's so funny. All right. Well, I'm going to have to try that one. I'm going to have to get that dude, the taping mouth dude. You'll have to give me his name after the show and uh, I'll get him on the I show. Will. Everyone will be going, what, when they listen to this. That's so cool. So have you, have you got any other like quirks like that? That You know, quirks. That, that's pretty quirky. But have you got any other tips that have really worked for you in terms of, you know, kind of like biohacking uh, your way Yeah. Back?
3: I definitely think with my autoimmune condition, I had a um, pretty big flare up this just this last year, um, like running myself into the ground and not managing my stress levels. And I had a lot of overseas travel and I feel like I don't do so well on those long haul 24 hour type flights. And I think all of that combined kind of flared my Hashimoto's back up again. And I I was just getting like anxiety and I didn't feel like going to the gym. Like I just couldn't bring myself to go out there. I feel like I needed more nurturing and soft type of stuff. So I started doing really deep restorative or yin yoga and just doing, you know, might only do just do a couple of poses, like, you know, two or three poses and a really long shavasana at the end. And that really, really helped me that um, getting into that deep parasympathetic state really helped manage that. And I feel like, you know, I've had this kind of foggy veil lifted off my head from that and the yoga is just definitely being something that's that's really helped. And just just surrendering, like that's a big goal in yoga is just to surrender and let it go. And I think, you know, as busy mums we spend so much time trying to control things that are out of our control. And just sometimes you just gotta go with it. And once you go with it, things actually can turn out the way that you had intended anyway. Without all that necessary worry and anxiety happening,
2: that's a really good point. And I think um, you know, it, when you know, when you've had a health crisis and you're sort of quite a driven person, and then you suddenly got this immense mental clarity and stacks more energy, it can be almost like a recipe for a burnout because. Um, mm. you know, when you've just got all those ideas and that passion and all that energy just from the fat burning, you know, from being a fat burning beast, it, it can be quite dangerous. You know, It's like a bit of a loose cannon, awesome. A loose cannon. Yeah. And then there are, there are certain places that are just significant energy drains. Like you say, like I really discovered, um, I did a lot of national travel last year, but still for me you know, living on the South coast of Western Australia and getting anywhere is pretty much a long haul flight. You know, it's like, takes me 13 hours door to door to get to somewhere like Melbourne. You know, it's like, mm. it's long, it's a long way. And I really suffered in terms of, um, a pelvic injury just from too much time oh. in, in cars and planes. And, and then just really as well, I found energy draining with my kids as well. Like, like you say that trying to control everything and Sometimes, like the more stressed you become and overwhelmed you become, the the tighter a grip you have on things. Do you find that? Whereas, oh, yeah, you definitely, yeah. yeah, Whereas when you just kind of like you say surrender and you go like, you know what, I'm going to try not to worry about this, and it's probably going to work out fine, and it usually does. Hey, it does. Listen. It's hard to get to that place, though. Really hard. Like oh, you okay. know,
3: you're like we're told to be driven and keep moving forward and strive to be the best and a lot of people think by stopping you become complacent and then you don't care anymore, but it's not true. You're actually doing yourself a service by surrendering and stopping and letting things just go as they're intended to go. And what a relief for our kids as well,
2: right? Because oh yeah, like when we grew up, <laughs> when we grew up, my parents were like practically never there. They were, you know, like not in a negligent way, but you just, you just got on with it. And um, there was always a hot meal on the table at the end of the day and a safe place to be and a comfy bed to sleep in and lots of love but they didn't they weren't like micromanaging my play dates and who I was going for a bike ride with that day you know you just got on with it and I think that we we sort of forget that do you reckon oh I definitely
3: like yeah I remember too we'd be out on our bikes in the street for most of the afternoon and we were told to come in at a particular time and we would where these days I'm like we're going to be here at this time, we're going to be here at this time, we're going to do this, you know, we've got after school this, we've got this, we've got to pack up. And then my kids are like, oh, mum, you know, where are we going to be now? And it's like, we're not doing anything. I've decided <laughs> we're just going to stop. <laughs> it's, downtime. it's downtime. But I'm bored. Yeah. <laughs> and then they're like, I'm bored. And it's like, it's good to be bored. Oh, mum, you don't know. And I'm like, I do know.
2: <laughs> yeah, I've been bored. And it's usually, I say to my kids when they're, get bored, I say to them, um, being bored is like the the turning point for an amazing new game that you're about to come up with. And they're like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's a good saying. I'm going to use it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can say that one. You can use that one. Absolutely. So, so tell me about your family. So, you know, it sounds like Hubby's on board making you that amazing post-yoga breakfast today, but how easy have you found it to feed your family real food? Because I know actually, just, just for example, last night, I kind of like reverted back to my old struggle some days and and cooked this meal on a Monday night, right? And it was the faffiest meal ever. Like I'm not joking when I say it took me two hours to make it. There was a chicken to <laughs> poach, there was um, cauliflower rice to make, there was a dip to go with it, there was uh, steamed veggies, there was... Sesame seeds to toast. It was just ridiculous. It wasn't a Monday night meal at all, right? And then when I finished it and I made it, and I was totally stressed out and sick of the smell of meal, and nobody really liked it. And you know, you're just like, oh, well, what's the point? You just be like flipping the plate up and storming out, right? And that's the reality for a lot of people that are going from a conventional way of eating to, you know, a clean, real food, uh, you know, paradigm. So, how did you get your family on board? And have you got any. Um, easy family-friendly meals for us. Mm-hmm.
3: Well, I definitely can relate to what you just said, and there's been many moments like that throughout <laughs> time <laughs> where I've just like, oh, well, that's it. I'm not cooking anymore. But I, I guess uh, we've had to really adjust in our family because my husband, for a very long time, has been working away. So I've kind of been the I've been the one that's had to like, if I wanted him to help with meal planning, I'd have to set it all out and get it ready like on a Saturday and a Sunday when he was home so that we could make the week a lot easier. So um, I think putting a good routine and a good meal plan in place if you're kind of struggling during the week and getting as much done when somebody else can help you makes a huge difference. So Sunday afternoon, we're usually always around home getting ready for the week. That's when I'll send him out to the barbecue and I'll be like, you can do all these meat patties, you can do sausages, you can do all these pieces of meat, or you can do some veggies on the barbecue as well. And we just cook heaps. And we always do a roast or something like that as well. And then I pack everything up and kind of freeze it into meals for during the week when he's not there. Um, so that makes things a lot easier. And all I'm doing is just reheating meals during the week. And so it doesn't matter kind of what time we're, we're getting in. Uh, and the other thing is like I really refuse to cook multiple meals so my um, almost seven-year-old daughter is going through a real phase at the moment and she is just like I don't eat anything that you cook me (laughs) Mm. and she just wants carbohydrates my friends eat this for dinner I just want pasta all the time and it's like no we don't eat that so you know and we go to swim club on a Tuesday night and it's, they've always got meals there and it's like hamburgers and hot dogs. And I'm like, we don't eat that during the week because it's not you know, healthful foods. We want something that's going to give you energy when you're out there swimming. So uh, I've kind of adapted our meals around to the ones that I know that I'm not going to struggle with during the week. So it's the standard meals that everyone still likes, you know, like spaghetti bolognese, and for me, I just cooked up a big spaghetti squash They're in season again. So I had mine with the squash. The kids were curious about it but refused to eat it. Mm-hmm. So I probably just do like a, a pasta that's better for them. So like a gluten-free protein-style pasta, you know, you can get some of those that are coming out now made out of the different legumes and stuff. So mm. while it's not 100% what you would say paleo, we're just looking for more real foods with just less ingredients like, There's no chemicals or, you know, additives or preservatives or anything in that pasta. It's just what it is. Uh, And then butter chicken, that's always on high rotation.
2: Mm -hmm. Same here.
3: (laughs) Yeah. So I will still give my kids a little bit of rice with it. And then I will have cauliflower rice, and then my
2: husband he has rice and cauliflower rice mixed together. Oh my goodness! So he's getting some more That's vegetables. exactly the same in our house, and yeah, exactly what we do. And and even sometimes I have rice. I don't know grain-free, made yeah, well, eat rice. But I think you know, like I, I, it's something that I couldn't have done to start with. Like it would have just been a nightmare. But now you know, like eight years later, I've eaten this way. I can handle a bit of rice, and if it's cooked and cooled. Uh, which it often is. I usually put the rice on an hour before it's dinner time and just leave it cool down a bit. Um, then it's got that resistant starch benefit as well. Mm, that's really great. Sometimes you find and it. I mean, the other day I tried.
3: Um, there was some. I was somewhere and people were making um, in the you know in the Thermomix. They're making this spiced Moroccan lentil soup because of the weather it it'd gotten a bit cold here. Mm. And I was like, I haven't eaten a lentil for as long as I remember, I don't even know if I can eat a lentil anymore. You know, like I had just in my mind that, no, I don't eat it. I had ne- had never even tried it and I tried it and I was like, oh, I didn't even have any digestive issues with that. I can withstand a little bit of this uh, nice wintry kind of soup with all these spices in it and it was perfectly fine. I think we do kind of, um, once we've, you know, gone through this whole real food phase of tightening everything up, we can be, uh, you know, cutting out a lot of foods that, Probably aren't so bad. Like a little bit of rice every now and then probably isn't the worst thing you could be having, right? Could be absolutely hot chips.
2: I'll just give you that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, you, well, even hot chips. Like we have chips, um, you know, probably twice a week. But you know, they're they're organic. Well, they're not organic. They're usually spray free or at least local um, chips that are just like we've got the skin on and they're just chopped up and they're cooked with some, you know, um, Himalayan. Sea salt, we always put kelp through or um, some kind of wakami, some kind of seaweed, we always have that through our salt, and some coconut oil and voila chips. And you can make your own homemade aioli and a cup of garlic. I mean, in that fact, I might have yeah. that for lunch. That sounds really nice. <laughs> sounds awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but it doesn't have to be, you know, and, and this is a really interesting point and I would like to just um, elaborate slightly on this and um, maybe you can talk a little bit about how you manage this with your, uh, with your consults as well and with your clients um, when they come into you with, um, with how they're going to feed their families because what I find is, what I've noticed is the people that are in this for the long haul, they're pretty, they're pretty flexible and relaxed. You know, they're not... They're not micromanaging every single macronutrient. They're not tracking stuff on an app. Um, and sometimes they'll have a piece of cheesecake that's got gluten and dairy in it. And I remember actually being, um, when I first joined the wellness catch, and we were at a dinner and uh, we were looking at the dessert menu and I said, oh, if that, the summit sounded yummy on the menu. And I said, oh, if that's gluten-free, because that gluten is my top, um, kryptonite. I said, if that's gluten-free, I'm going to have it. And Marcus Pierce said, even if it's got gluten in it, I'm going to have it. And I was just like, oh, Ugh. what a relief. You know, like these guys, um, you know, they're, they're in it for the long haul. But one, one little bit of cheesecake, it's not the end of the world. It doesn't mean you've got to like unravel all your hard work and, you know, throw, throw the towel in, does it? So I'd love to hear a little bit more about how you put your personal philosophy around keeping it real when it comes to real food. Yeah. Well, I'm exactly the same as well.
3: Like we are, we, you know, and people say it all the time. We, we don't live in paleolithic days, right? But we can take the principles from there and apply it to a modern context. And I think that's where the real beauty in this is, is like when you're able to determine, like you said, what your kryptonite foods are, which is what I would help do with a client. We would kind of sit down and work out which ones that we're really just going to stay away from for a short period of time look at healing the gut or whatever it might be that's you know, causing these food sensitivities and then introducing some foods back in again but doing it in a context of a modern way. So like we're adults, you know that if gluten does harm you but, or well, you know, harm's probably a harsh word but, you know, you react to it, then if you eat some rather than just saying, oh, well, that's it it's over. I'm just going to eat gluten constantly all the time and end up sick again. We just eat it, accept it, move on and enjoy it while we're having it rather than dwelling on, oh, I shouldn't have done that and beating yourself up about it. Because let's face it, there's so much more things in this world that we're constantly beating ourselves up about. We just don't want to beat ourselves up about just you know making a a food choice that served us in that moment. And I think that's, what I work with my clients is I always say we're looking for progress, not perfection. Oh, I like and that. We, yeah, I think. That's yeah.
2: Yes, i am writing that one day, and not, mm, I like that one. Progress, not perfection. <laughs> I, like <that. laughs> I like that one a lot. We're gonna write that one. I'm written that one day. And that's good. So, t- tell me a little bit about um, the the clients that you work with. Is it do you just deal with like a certain you know person? Is it just like mums, or do you have like a cross section of people that you work with? And and what are most of the the common kind of complaints or struggles uh, that your clients are facing? I feel like I have the majority
3: of my clients that I see. I feel like I have the best clients in the world because they already have this understanding that they need to make some dietary changes and they've tried and you know, it's, and they've tried, they've tried uh, maybe paleo or keto depends what they're coming to me for a low carb and through no fault of their own it hasn't worked for them and they've seen people on the forums having the success where they've like lost 50 60 kilos and it's only taken a week which you know we all know yeah. is not real reality anyway <laughs> and then they're beating themselves up about it why can't i comply to it why, why do i always crave sugar in the afternoon why do i have to have these salty foods and by the time they come to me they're usually like at this point and with just a few simple nutritional tweaks and understanding, we can usually get people back on track with their dietary requirements and then, and what's best serving them. So a lot of the times, this is probably the most common thing I see with high-fat diets is we've been told to eat low-fat for so long and then we're struggling to get this fat into us. That's usually the first one because I've been told I can eat fat now, but how do I get this fat in? And then they're usually trying to get the fat in by doing what's being told again on the internet, adding cream to their coffee constantly Mm. throughout the day or overloading on eating fat bombs for the sake of eating fat, you know, to try and get the fat daily intake in. And when they come to see me, I'm kind of like, we're going to stop all of that. We don't need this high burden of fat coming through onto you. We're going to look at your digestion and, and think of fat-style foods that are going to be better for your digestive system. So when you're slow cooking, we're going to cook the meat with the fat in already so then you're getting those good fats in when, you, when you're eating that food rather than loading up on cream in your coffee constantly. And we're going to get the gallbladder working again. We're going to get the body digesting again. And once that's happening, then we can look at maybe upping the fats some more, a little bit more, a little bit more, but first, we really need to just remove out all those inflammatory foods and take a step back and get the fat in nice and gently, rather than overloading and burdening the body and putting all that pressure on the body to start with.
2: Oh, just such great advice because um, you know I think that a lot of people that have done low fat, they then there can sometimes be their problem with actually eating fat and that fear that fat is going to make me fat. But I think we have the pendulum has swung to the other way, and I know that when I tried a low, super, super low-carb um, way of life uh, that I really struggled with the amount of – the, the types of fat I was eating um, and also just the digestion of the fats because, you know, I'd struggled with um, low stomach acid for ages. So if you suddenly just pile a heap of coconut oil fat bombs and, you know, um, what was the other thing I was doing? Um, oh, gosh, I've forgotten the name of the – bulletproof coffees. (laughs) Oh, bulletproof. Yeah. (laughs) That's a common one too. Boom. It's like, oh my goodness, I had really bad heartburn. My digestive system kind of, um, slowed down to a, to a, just a, a crawl. And it wasn't (laughs) good at all. But then I, I, like I found that the better fats that work for me are more in things like, um, fish and, um, avocados and coconut milk and things like that, that are just a lot easier to digest than, you know, uh, and I just think it's just that's really beautiful. Just way, way of really like helping people identify what works best for them because it can be so overwhelming. There's so much noise out there, so much information, so many people. You know, um, success stories, and it's like, well, how mm. come the way it's not budging for me. You know, and there could be all, yeah, why, why me? Yeah, yeah, there could be all sorts of other things going on in the background there as, as well, right?
3: We are. Yeah. And like I always say, everybody's different, just like everybody's different. So Mm -hmm. you and I are not the same. So why would we expect that our bodies are going to work the same way? We've had different upbringings and different lifestyles and done different things in our lives. So your gut microbiome's not going to be anything like mine, we would probably think. So why treat two people the same way? And that's the same with, I specialize a lot in seeing people who are doing ketogenic diets and they come to me with these set macronutrients that they're following but it's not working for them and it's like well could we ease up a little bit on those macronutrients like that's just a that was probably set for a man dare I say it like that you know they can probably tolerate that amount of fat that you're having but we're women and we have hormones and we have different things happening what we're going to do is tap into our body's innate system which we all have And really tap into it and let our body tell us what it needs and when we're full and get that working again. Because Mm. if we don't make that changes, we're going to have to be stuck on this rigid macro counting for the rest of our lives. And let's face it, who wants to do that? Oh,
2: well, it's it's, just like calorie counting. It is. It is. Absolutely. And the macronutrient um, counting is just... Uh, calorie counting next level, you know, it's just exactly the same, mm-hmm. and it's the same, it's still pretty dysfunctional and, and disordered. And well, it is, I know I don't want to put you know, freak anybody out, but like it doesn't have to be like that, and it doesn't need to be so obsessive. And it don't get me wrong, like I'm talking from like three decades of doing it myself, you know, can lying in bed mm-hmm. on a night, counting how many calories I'd eaten, then counting my macros, and, and it can be really useful to start with, to, to to work out where our carbs come in from, where's fat coming from, how, do I, how does this all look at the end of the day. That can be helpful to start with, but I think like in the long term, it's much better and much more, oh, less restrictive, less deprivation and then equals less cortisol, which is obviously really important in the whole health picture as well, to just listen to your body and even when you just start to think about, you know, if you just thought, oh I've, oh, I've eaten all my carbs that I could potentially eat today, you instantly just feel deprived and, mmm. Whereas if you just listen to your body, your body's like, well, what do I want to eat? Actually, I just feel like some, a nice, beautiful cheese omelette with a salad or so. You know, it's just like, it's just yeah. so much more, oh, just freeing. Yeah. It's just freeing, liberating. <laughs> yeah,
3: absolutely. Yeah.
2: So much better. That's
3: right. I think that we, yeah, we already put too much pressure on ourselves these days. Why do we want to put this pressure on ourselves as well? Let's Our body's designed to do this naturally. I mean, like you were saying, there comes a point in time where maybe some people really need some help just to get that focus back again. Short-term, I might get a client to keep a food journal, but with the food journal, I'm not really looking at the macronutrients. I'm looking at how the food makes them feel. And if they're hungry straight after they've eaten a the meal then I'm pretty much going to say there was either too much carbs in that meal or too much uh, not enough protein and fat so what we're going to do is adjust the macronutrients that way so the next meal you go to have let's up the protein and and the fat a little bit more let's wind down the carbohydrates and just kind of like intuitively start going okay I felt satisfied after this meal I felt happy that's great that's a good meal for me my body really enjoyed that. And then t- I get my clients to take a photo of that. Take a photo of that meal. So then you can remember that meal later on. You don't need to track it or cal- you know write it down. And then for the ones that need a bit more, because some people do need a little bit more tracking. They like, like, like to see numbers. Um, I recommend getting a blood sugar monitor and just taking your blood sugars after you eat a particular food. So like just say... You absolutely love, I'll just say white potato. You love it. You want to eat it with every meal because let's face it, potatoes are so good. <laughs> and then what we want to do is just before we have that meal, we want to take our blood sugar level and then we want to wait two hours and we want to take it again. And we want to just see whether that potato elevated our blood sugars or not. And if it did, then maybe we just want to stay away from that potato for a little bit while we do some work eating regular meals, eating three regular meals, eating when we want to, feeling full and satisfied. And then maybe we might put a little bit of potato back in, just like the rice you said before. And then we just test and see what what's happening with our blood sugars there. And probably you'll be surprised in that sh- short amount of time because the body is such, it, it knows what to do. Your body is just amazing and your body loves you. It'll do anything to please you, right, if you just think of it that way. So it will... Probably withstand having that potato if you've done all that, um, you know, eating regularly and cleaning up the diet and those kind of things. So, but that's like can be too much for some people, and that's something that I'd only work with people when when they are maybe pre-diabetic, diabetic, or you know, needing that number figure. So, because everyone's different, we just treat it differently for each client.
2: And that's that's when it's so um, valuable to to have somebody like you to walk you through those things because when you're going through with a practitioner, you don't feel as overwhelmed, and you've got somebody to you know be accountable to and to somebody to point you in the right direction. Because sometimes doing it all by yourself can just be really lonely and overwhelming. So that's why it's great to have someone like yourself to um, to work with. Right. So if, if people are listening to this and thinking, gosh. You know, um, I love Leah's philosophy on food. It's it's just sounds great, and they want to have some uh, one-on-one uh, time with you. How does that work? Yeah, so uh, you can go to my website,
3: which is www.nourishingconversations.com, and there's like a little section there that says "Work with me," and then you can just like click on the link there, and it just takes you through. And so I can see clients online, so we can use a Zoom call just to chat with each other so I can see anyone anywhere in the in the world or around Australia. And I also see clients in person in Brisbane. So sometimes um, if the client lives in a local area, they'll call into my home clinic. I'm really lucky to have a home clinic. Children can be upstairs. I can, you know, work at home while they're home, which is just so great. And uh, clients can come in and I can see them there. And then basically we... even just to backtrack a little bit, just before we see each other, we can have a chat, see whether we're going to work well with each other because I really want to make sure because we're going to be spending this time together that we really resonate and work well together because not everybody gels with everybody. So we'll have a chat, see how I can help you, see what what their goals are and see if we can work together. And then from there, you fill out a signs and symptoms questionnaire, which takes you through I think it's about 200 questions or something, but it's a really quick online kind of program. And it basically tells me where your health priorities are. And are we looking at here based on the signs and symptoms that are happening to you? Is it upper GI, which would r- relate to your low uh, low stomach acid? Because if that's the problem, then then we can definitely see there that we need to get some stimulation happening in the digestion system. We need some stress management happening there to all these things that can put us into a parasympathetic state, which can make that stomach acid start activating again so that we can break down that food. And so they're all the things I'm kind of like looking at in this graph. And then we come together and we can work out and just have a like a consult. Like, you know, you said to me, "What is some of the family, what are some foods I can feed my family because I, mm. I, I can't get us all eat the same way, and I'll give them some tips like I gave you before, and we kind of go from there and put it all together.
2: Sounds amazing! It sounds so so amazing. So before we finish the show today, Leah, I would like to know what your personal opinion is of coffee, wine, and chocolate.
3: <laughs> all right. So coffee, yes, I have one in the morning. I I like yeah, I'll just black coffee. <laughs> I like. One black coffee, it's my little thing. Uh, I do like tea better though. So I'm definitely a tea drinker. Black tea, black pot of English breakfast each morning is actually really my thing. And then one coffee a bit later on. So coffee and then wine or alcohol. Um, or Or alcohol, yeah. I... I'll have the occasional drink. I'm more of a social drinker, so like I love getting together with my mum friends and having a couple of drinks. I'm not against it. It's just not something that I. We don't even really have it in the house. We won't drink it during the week unless there's a special occasion or something like that. So it's not really. It's there, but not really needed. Um, well, it's not there and not really needed, but. <laughs> <laughs> but if you know what I mean, like you know, if if you know if it's a birthday or something like that, I'll have a drink. Uh, and I do like a sugar-free margarita. That's actually one of my favorite kind of drinks with the salt and the margarita. Mm. Uh, and chocolate. Yes, I'm a dark chocolate lover. So I will have some dark chocolate. Lately I've been making my own dark chocolate with some crunch in it. I want I, After dinner I really like to have something that's kind of crunchy and so I've been making just some coconut oil and some almond butter and some hemp seeds and some c- cacao nibs and cacao and kind of mixing all that together
2: and I just have a little square of that that sounds delicious yeah I like a bit of crunch in my chocolate as well Mm, I've never tried it with the with the hemp seeds in though that's a great idea yeah I'm really getting into hemp seeds it's the new thing I reckon hemp seeds are the new thing I know I'm having them in everything I'm making bircher with them I'm making wraps with them I'm making them into a milk (laughs) it's like a bit hemped out bro yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) So cool. Awesome. Now, if we wanted to come and um, check you out on Facebook, uh, talk us through where we can find you again and also just give us that um, website address again, please.
3: Yeah. So my business name is Nourishing Conversations. So it's www.nourishingconversations.com. And so then I do have a Facebook page, Nourishing Conversations, and you can also find me. Brisbane Paleo everything. So, <laughs> there's no Brisbane Paleo website, uh, but there is a Brisbane Paleo Facebook group, Brisbane Paleo family Facebook page, Brisbane Paleo group page. Uh, and then on Instagram, where I love to hang out and watch everyone's stories and make stories. And, you know, I just love the gram. Uh, I am nourishing conversations on there.
2: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Leah. It's been totally epic to hang out with you and i look forward to speaking to you next time thank you it's always so much fun thanks
1: this has been a production of the wellness couch.com check us out on facebook and join in conversation on facebook.com forward slash the wellness couch subscribe to each show on itunes and check us out on twitter the wellness couch streaming wellness into your lives